0: And Jeremy, why don't you come? And again, we've had an exciting few days together, and God's been speaking to us as a local church, as a group of churches here in Canada, and really all around the world. So we've asked Jeremy to come and just help speak in to that for our local church and for all of our churches. All
1: right? Thanks, Jeremy. Well, thank you so much for uh, receiving us so well. If you've uh, been a visitor here uh, this week, why don't you just stand? It's great, isn't it, to see all these folks from different nations from different areas, from different parts of Canada. And we want to say thank you so much for hosting us, for looking after us, for feeding us. You've done so well in that, and uh, this is just such a fantastic local church. Uh, Hands up if you haven't heard Kelly's story. There's a few of you who have, you've just missed out. There's something wonderful about Kelly. Kelly, why don't you just stand for a moment. Kelly Kelly. <laughs> Kelly loves the limelight. <laughs> we, we brought Kelly in to share her story, which is really your story here at uh, Christ Central of the gospel, which is good news to the poor. I don't know if you know, but Kelly was probably the first person saved into the church here. And uh, they were even thinking, Joe was sharing the story, this is years and years ago, we were even thinking of closing the whole thing down. It's gone from bad to worse, to worse, to worse, to worse. And we were just thinking, should, we were just gathering, what was it, 15, 20, Joe, just should, you know, even should we close this whole thing down? And then suddenly Kelly gets saved and they think, we can't close this whole thing down. We've, We've got a new baby to look after, God's given us some responsibility and the first fruits are so important. And what God has done with Kelly in terms of the gospel coming to her and her family and the gospel coming through her, to the marginalized, the poor, and the needy, is such a prophetic example of what God wants to do to this church. We had the privilege of hearing Kelly's story. Uh, I've heard it a little bit before, but never quite in such power. And Joe and I were listening uh, to her, and I said, to "Joe, Joe, we need to tell this story to a wider audience." So we got Kelly into our team uh, when all the guys gathered, and we just got her to tell the story. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. I, I was moved, and I'm you know, not always that moved. And and I was genuinely moved. I was, you know, trying, you know, it's like when you go to the cinema and, you know, oh, that was a good film. (laughs) You know, it was like, oh, that was a good word. And it was like, oh my goodness, I feel ruined by that. And it's so prophetic what God is doing amongst you here. He's turning you as a church inside out and all your hard work. What was really interesting for me to hear Kelly's story was that it took 10 years from Kelly first hearing this word about the love of God for the poor and the needy and the marginalized to seeing the first fruit. And then even just hearing about Greg, who's gone to be with Jesus because of your witness, because of this church. And he's now standing before Jesus because of all that you've done. And there's going to be many more Greg's and there are many more Greg's here and many more people hearing the good news. So again, I just want to say thank you. You've inspired us. You've looked after us. You've been a model church this last week. And what I want to do this morning is something a little unusual. Normally, we would exegete a passage of the Bible, and we will get to a passage about halfway through this morning. But I want to just share with you stories from this week. I want to share with you what God has been saying this week. The reason I want to do that is that the apostolic team is not disconnected from the local church. We are here primarily to serve you and to look after you, to come alongside you, to provoke you, to stir you, to ask God that He might increase your harvest of righteousness but also that we might partnership together. And I would say this week, we have heard from God as a team in various settings. Some of them have been very public settings. Some of them have been incredibly private settings. But as I started last night, I just took an hour off last night, and I started to write down the prophetic words. And I think there are four major prophetic words that God has spoken to us as a Christ-central team that we want to catch the local church up with. You may have heard of some of these before. It may be that some of them are new. It may be that you were in meetings where some of these words came. But these words have just come this week. And as a movement of churches, as a group of churches working together, one of the prime things that you notice about New Frontiers and the part of the family that we're of, Christ Central Churches, you'll find that we are very inspired by the prophetic word. We are very moved by the prophetic word. We are primarily a people of the Spirit. We're primarily a new creation that is indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Bible says those who are the sons of God, and that's generic for male and female, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We don't just root things back to old documents, although we love old documents. The Bible is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We love the Word of God. It speaks, but He speaks new life into the Word every day. And He speaks to us prophetically. This is what I read in the Bible this week. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 to 20. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't do that. Don't quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. And you think, I don't treat prophecies with contempt. Well, we do when we don't listen to them. We do when we don't weigh them. We do when we don't act on them. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. So not everything that is a prof- that comes as a prophecy has the same weight. You see, weighing something, it's not saying yes or no, although you may do that. You may say no, we don't have that we reject that word totally, But rarely do you do that. Weighing something is what? Feeling the weight. And some words are light words. They're great. You know, they're light. That's fine. But some words have a weightedness to them. Some words you feel, well, God is, well, we weigh this one. And these are words we've weighed as a team. These are words that we're feeling God has spoken to. In that passage, it says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. And I'm going to give you some handles this morning. You know, handles are quite useful to hold on to a door. Handles are quite useful to hang up a coat. Handles are useful things. And I'm going to give you four handles of prophetic words that I believe God has genuinely, with all my heart, spoken to us as a local church and as a movement. Some of them happened this week. One of them, interestingly, happened just before we came here. We gathered as a team in the UK. We had some visitors from Canada with us but primarily it was a UK team. And one of our men who is known as a trusted, proven prophet, his name is Martin, he prophesied about a new company being formed. And he referenced an existing company, which is called Anglo-American. It's quite a famous company. It's quite a historic partnership between the United Kingdom and the United States. And it's a company rich in mining resources, rich in uh, colonization, in terms of going to new nations. And he said, he literally saw that word, Anglo-American, with the American crossed out. Thought there might be a hallelujah there, but obviously not. (laughs) With with the American crossed out, and a new word inserted, and that was Anglo-Canadian. And that God was giving us, together, a new partnership. It wasn't an ordinary partnership. It was, I think Gary prophesied this, it was like a charter. And a charter is a whole different sort of agreement where you share mutual resources, where you develop mission together, and where you go to new territories and new nations. That's what a charter is a royal charter. And there's a royal charter on this Anglo Canadian partnership. And I have to confess, I've changed my thinking because of that prophetic word. It's good to change your thinking in the light of prophetic word. This has been my thinking up to now. Up till that word came, my thinking was this. In the UK, God has blessed us. He's called us to go to the nations. Part of that is to replicate and reproduce apostolic teams in the nation. And because I'm so nervous of, I guess, old style of thinking, I guess colonialism would be the word that I would put on it. I'm so nervous of that. I, I kind of thought, well, we want to set you guys up and step back. We want to bless the apostolic team here, the Canadian team. We want to set you off, set you launched and have nothing more to do with you. <laughs> because I don't want, colon, you know, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, there's no sense that uh, that I want to control. There's no sense of... Uh, I want colonialism. I just don't want that at all. So let's back off. But no, this word was an Anglo, that means English, Canadian partnership. That we were equal partners in this. And that we should stand shoulder to shoulder. And actually it reverberated as we could do more together, which is one of our historic prophetic words, we can do more together than we can on Our own, and it was to release great resources, great mineral resources, human resources, people resources, church resources, financial resources, and that we can go together. So, God has already been speaking to us as an Anglo Canadian partnership about going to the nations. We're going to go to America, to the States, we're going to plant a church in Boston together. It's exciting. We feel that we're probably going to go down to South America and plant some churches. We've got some prophetic words that have come this week about Spanish-speaking nations going together and doing some stuff. So I'm really excited about this partnership, and I see it as a partnership of equals, an Anglo-Canadian partnership. The second word, which we weighed as a team and felt was right, was a word... And about a whirlwind. Now, this came primarily through David, although it was echoed actually scripturally through Gary, which was quite an unusual way of working. (laughs) David brought the prophetic and Gary anchored it in the Word. (laughs) And it was a word about whirlwinds. It was a word about tornadoes. It was a word about getting swept up in God's purposes. And do you know what? You're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. You're being moved and prophetically moved. And Gary then earthed it in the Bible, Naaman 1 verse 3. His way is in the whirlwind and in the storm. And we felt, yeah, God is doing that. God has accelerated his prophetic purposes for us as a group of churches incredibly. It was only like two or three years ago that we were working with two or three churches in Canada. When we count up now, there are, it's actually quite hard to keep up with it. I think there are about 16 or 17 churches or plants or works that we're working with across Canada. That's multiplication. It's incredible what God is doing, and that includes the great work that you're doing here by sending out the Drisers and the church planting team out into Charlottetown in Prince Edward Island, which is so exciting and so thrilling, and we're so behind that. No sooner had the dust settled on that prophetic word about the whirlwind that we met met Ant and Terran. Are Ant and Terran still here? Are they already gone? I think they're already gone. Ant and Terran have a fascinating story. Uh, Terran is South African, white South African. Ant is black Zimbabwean. And they make a great team together. And they've already planted churches in in, uh, Zimbabwe. They've already done that. But God spoke to Ant about 14, 15 years ago. He came to Canada to, and I can't remember the woods. What was it called? Muskoka. Muskoka Woods. And he went to this place that I'd never heard of. And Who's ever heard of Muskoka Woods? Oh, a few of you have. Okay. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. All right. He went to Muskoka Woods, and he was a young man, and God gave him some promises about Canada that he would be back. Well, amazingly, I haven't got time to tell his story. I don't want to rob his story of power because you need to hear it. But in recent years, God has just been so prophetically speaking to him. For instance, things like this. He'll be sitting in a park having his lunch and the the fruit seller, the guy who would come up and annoy you and wouldn't let you go, came up to him because... He was just feeling, I wonder if it's a Toronto church plant. That's what he was wondering. And this guy, fruit seller, comes up to him, doesn't offer him any fruit, which is what the fruit seller always does, always pushes it out. And he simply stands in front of him with a Toronto Maple Leaf shirt on, which some of you may discern was not very great, but it got Ant's attention. And the guy then just disappears. He goes away, just stood in front of him and went away. The next time he was going to the office, to Terran's office actually, and a guy who meets him at the door, who he's never met before, a guy meets him with the door, greets him by name. Hi, Ant. Who are you? And he's got right across his chest, Maple Leaf, Canada. Which, this is Zimbabwe. They don't sell that. I mean, you know, if you walked into Toronto and you saw that, the, you know, that's tourism. But this is in Canada. The guy... Sorry, this is in Zimbabwe. Thank you, Anne, who corrects me regularly. <laughs> this, is in, this is in Zimbabwe. Anyway, the, he goes upstairs and says to Taryn, do, do you know that guy downstairs who met me, met, greeted me by name? Do you know him? And she says, no, I don't know who he is at all. And he said, well, I'll just check he's still there. He runs down. The guy's still there. Hello again. Canada, you know, Canada maple leaf, still got, it, still got the shirt on. Well, he runs up and he says, well, he's still there. Well, let's go. others went down he disappeared. The guy, had dis- they don't know who he was. They don't know where he came from. But mysteriously, this guy was there with a Canada t-shirt and greeted him by name. Spooky. <laughs> the third one was even more incredible because in he was asking God, now God, particularly would you speak to me about this? And uh, David had invited Ant, to come to what he calls the challenge this next week, which is a, a great thing that David Campbell does. A group of young men together, challenged in the spirit, challenged in the word of God, discipled together for three or four days, praying and prophesying. And David had written to Ant, because he'd heard about him and met him once, and said, why don't you come to join us, and we're meeting in Muskoka Woods. And he's thinking, oh, God, promised me I'd be back to Muskoka Woods. He felt, yes, this is the Lord. And God speaks stirring something about church planting in Ontario here. The next day in their church meeting, a young guy walks in with Muskoka Woods T-shirt. I mean, where do you get one of those? I've never seen one of those. Where do you get one of those from Muskoka Woods, obviously? But, and just felt, we just felt, as he told this story, and that, that wasn't all. There was others. We just felt the whirlwind had appeared. It was a whirlwind. We were suddenly not in Kansas anymore. We were suddenly swept up in God's prophetic purposes. And we feel with our dear friends, Clyde and Rochelle, that there's a new church plant that's going to happen in Toronto. We're very excited about God's prophetic purposes. Dear friends, bet this is happening. It happened in the offices of Christ Central Fredericton. It's happening amongst us. Whirlwinds. And there's going to be more whirlwinds of the Spirit. The third one was the word that came on Friday night that we weighed as a team and felt this was appropriate. And that was the word that we brought about the battleship being launched, the Ark Royal, the HMS, although as I'm corrected after, it should have been HMCS. Although I did ask three of your leaders and none of them knew that. HM, her majesty's ship or Canadian ship, but actually I felt it was his majesty's ship, Christ Central. And it was a massive battleship. It was a massive aircraft carrier. It was almost, to me, like the Ark Royal. And I felt actually even the play on words there, the Ark, the presence of God, royalty being God's presence. That actually this was a ship of God's presence. This was a ship on mission. This was a ship that was going from riverside properties or riversides. And it was going to go from the river out into the ocean. That we were going to be an ocean going vessel, that we were going to be taken from smallness here into greatness. And it was going to be a ship all about mission. And I literally saw, like you see in these aircraft carriers, these these uh, aircraft being flown off. Another one goes, Charlottetown. Another one goes, Toronto. Another one goes, Vancouver. Another one goes, Halifax. And I just felt God was saying plant after plant after plant, but we're all in this together, and Joe, um, <coughs> sorry, Joel had the great kind of word after that in our leaders meeting yesterday. Kind of affirming, he saw the bridge of the ship, and he said it was like a massive bridge. And he said everyone was on the bridge, all dressed in their whites, their sailors' thing, all there, ready for action. And he said every one of us is involved in this. We're all on mission. Yeah, you know, we're all going, whether we stay or go, we're all going. We're all caught up in mission. And he said he saw God change. The implements of writing from pencils to pens. Pencil, you can just rub it out. I changed my mind. (laughs) Pen, it's permanent. And he saw us together sharing our ink, charting great sea voyages. God has called HMS, H-M-C-S, Christ Central Fredericton, to mission, to Greatness. And we felt there's an admiral on the bridge. We felt actually that fitted in with a word we'd had a uh, TAG last year, which I'd forgotten. Does anyone remember the song of the drunken sailor? <clears throat> Do you remember Gary? And when we were praying over Joe, we were praying over Joe about, and I'd forgotten that Roger Byron had a word about promotion, that Joe, you're no longer an a-, a captain, that you are to be an admiral. And I'd forgotten that. And I was kind of prophesying that game. then we sang, didn't we, that song, what should we do with our own <laughs> Because Joe was like all over the place and Gary was bringing this amazing prophetic song. <clears throat> and then the third, the fourth word, the fourth word that we feel is relevant to us again came yesterday and was remarkably confirmed by email from a lady called Ginny who's a prophet <clears throat> in our movement and she got this prophecy... At a prayer meeting in Sheffield, Mark's from Sheffield, he's one of the elders of Sheffield. They were praying for us on Friday night. We were then meeting Saturday morning and actually the word that came and her word, there was a phrase in it that dovetailed perfectly. I just want to underline the phrase. There's a lot more in Ginny's Prophecy than this. But the phrase was this, God is taking us from individuals to community. And Ginny prophesied, God is taking us from individualism to connectivity together. It's the same word, almost the same phrase. And God is teaching us that we are a community of the Spirit. That we're no longer just individuals, I'm saved I'm filled with the Spirit. I have a little mission to go on. But actually, no, we are together the people of God, together filled by the Spirit, together empowered by the Spirit, together the dwelling place place of God. And Gary read out Ephesians 2, verse 22, this amazing building that God is doing by the Spirit, founded on Jesus, founded with apostolic and prophetic foundations. Jesus as the cornerstone, us all being built together, every single one of us being built as bricks in this, so that it says in Ephesians 2, verse 22, that God may dwell by his spirit, that he might come and invade and live and dwell, and us to be the very people of God. It was magnificent as we just experienced his presence together. And God is saying that you as an individual will find your identity in the corporate. You'll find your place, your security, your function, your ministry, who you are as we corporately gather, as we corporately work, and as Reese brilliantly said on, on Friday night, as we corporately go. We're all called to go, whether you stay in Fredericton or whether you physically go in a church plant, we're all going. We're all on this mission together. Well, let me help you land this pastoral. If you've got a Bible... Would you turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Joshua? And Joshua chapter 5. I'm just going to spend a few moments helping you as a local church, I believe, to receive this word, or these words, and other words that will come. We'll have a whole load more at TAG tonight. Be there. Joshua chapter 5. The context of this is that Moses has died. Moses, the great leader. Moses, the great one who's taken us out of Egypt, who for 40 years has led us through the desert with miracles, signs, wonders, fresh quail, fresh manna, incredible signs and wonders, water coming from rocks, incredible battles and victory. Moses, the great leader, has died. It's not fair. He was going to lead us into the promised land, but he only led us up to the promised land. And now Joshua has been promoted from captain to admiral. Joshua's going to lead us in now. Joshua's going to lead us in. And you imagine the weight on Joshua's shoulders at that moment. They're suddenly on the verge of the promised land. And what happened? Just the chapters previous, they've had some Moses-like miracles. Just as Moses commanded the Red Sea to open and the Red Sea parted, God said to Joshua, if you get the priests with the Ark of the Covenant, (laughs) if you get them to step into the Jordan, if you get them to step into it, it's in full flood right now, but if you get to step into it, waters will part and you'll go through a dry land and the whole congregation Some commentators say say between three and five million people going through the Jordan on dry land. Suddenly, they're in the Promised Land, and guess what? The Jordan closes behind them, and before them are these massive walled cities, enemy territory, enemy occupied. And God says, "This is the Promised Land." It don't look that. It's a Promised Land to me. It looks like there's giants here. It looks pretty dangerous. And guess what? The manna stops that day. There's no more manna. This is the land of milk and honey, but we've got to go and get it. And suddenly you feel Joshua has the weight of the world on his shoulders. Let's pick up the story. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither. Or as the ESV, the New American Standard Bible and others say, no. (laughs) Wrong question. Are you for us or for our enemies? No. (laughs) Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one went out. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Hmm along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear a long blast on the trumpet, then make all the people give a loud shout and the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up. And every man will go straight in. Joshua was looking down. In a day of God's power, in a day of God's moving, dear friends, don't look down. Don't look down on the ground. Don't look down on disappointments. Don't look down with responsibility. Don't look heavy. Look up. It's so often. See, Joshua misses Jesus. I believe this is a theophany. Or a Christophany, it's appearance of Jesus. I could take you and show you that, but it's appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. It's appearance of God in the flesh coming as the commander of the Lord's army. This is no angelic presentation because actually Joshua bows down to worship him. And if you do that to an angel, the first thing they say is, don't worship me. It's always what an angel says, don't worship me. Because that's what you're tempted to do when you come across a massive angel. Don't worship, no. But the, 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 the commander doesn't. He receives it. This is Christ. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. And I want to say, Emmanuel is here. God is with us. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss the Lord in the day of his power. Don't be like Mary on the very day of his resurrection. She doesn't see Jesus. She sees the gardener, for heaven's sake. Eyes open. Oh, it's the Lord. Don't be like the disciples on the road to Emmaus when the Lord appears. Why are you downcast? Are you the only one in Israel who hasn't heard? I think he's the only one who really understands, actually. But are you the only one in Israel who hasn't heard? And they go through. Then later, he breaks bread. Their eyes are open. It was the Lord. Dear friends, allow the Spirit of God to open your eyes. The Lord is with us here. The Lord is doing something amongst Christ's central churches. The Lord is doing something. He's here amongst us. He's doing great things. Don't be dull. Don't be dead. Don't be downcast in the day of God's visitation. Jesus doesn't come with a little bit of advice. He doesn't come with a few leadership lessons. He doesn't come to share a little bit of experience. Jesus comes as commander of the Lord's army. This really is HMS. This really is his majesty's ship. This really is the Lord. And it's not about how good Joe is, or Gary is, or Kevin is, or now Brent. You know, we have Brent, the savior of the world, come to save us. No, no, it's not about hallelujah. It's not about how good we are as a team. It's actually about how good God is, how great the Lord is, how magnificent he is. This is about the commander of the Lord's host, and that's how he comes. See, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is not ours. That's why I'm confident, even in the face of spiritual warfare, that we will have victory. Why? Because we're strong? No, but because we have a commander of the Lord's army with us. He's coming. It's his victory. This is Christ central. He's in the heart of it. It's his mission, and we get the joy and the privilege of going in behind him. What's the response? Well, let me give you very, very quickly five quick responses that I think I can see in this passage. Number one, there's new worship. Get your perspective right. I love when the psalmist says, come and magnify the Lord with me. Now, in one sense, a magnifying glass makes things bigger, doesn't it? It doesn't, actually. It makes them look bigger. It magnifies them. And we can't make the Lord bigger. He's already big. He's already ginormous. But in our eyes, he's too small. In our eyes, we have too small a view of God. We need to magnify the Lord. We need to exalt the name of the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. We need to see him high and mighty and get the right perspective on him. And when we get the right perspective on him, miraculous things happen even in difficulties. You remember Paul and Silas in jail? I mean, I would be pretty upset if I was an apostle in jail. They put me in jail in Canada. I go, God, this is not fair. I've come here. I could have had a holiday. I've been working hard. You know, this is not fair, is it, Silas? Come on. You know, they bound us in prison. They've, you know, what are the Paul and Silas doing in jail? They're not grumbling. They're not moaning. They're worshiping the Lord. They're singing songs. So much so that when the earthquake happens, they almost don't seem to notice it. Because they've been so worshipping the God of thunder and power and glory. And uh, oh, they open it. oh yeah, he's shown up. Jails are open. Things happen when we worship the Lord. When we get a right perspective in worship. And Joshua, first of all, worships the Lord. The second thing that Joshua does is he submits himself to the Lord. He bows down to the Lord. There's a new submission. What, and he says, what does the Lord say to me? What does the Lord, he suddenly recognises this is now not about my agenda. What's your plan, Lord? Now actually the Lord says, first of all, take off your shoes. But he submits. And I thought it was so magnificent on Friday night when Gary just got up and said, I don't have any sweet idea what I'm doing, but I'm submitting to the Lord. I'm saying, yes Lord. I'm saying, I'm going your way, Lord. Listen, you may not have any sweet idea of what's happening, or what It might mean for you and your family to get caught up with God's purposes, but your heart attitude should be, yes, I submit. Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Yeah, what instructions does the Lord of hosts, does his, what do you have for me, Lord? What are your, what's your message? Well, this is the message, a new devotion. Take off your sandals, Joshua. This is holy ground. And I felt again a sense of this right through the conference that there's a holy devotion to the Lord. There's a pure devotion to the Lord. See, holiness is not about a holy place in a building, you know, some parts of the building are more holy than others. Holiness is not abstaining from certain things, holiness is obedience to the Lord. Holiness is being set apart for his purposes and lining yourself up with God's purposes and bowing down and saying, yes, Lord, I'll go your way. That's holiness. And the Lord is looking for a new submission to him. To say, yes, Lord, I'll go your way. It might be radical for you. It might be radical. You might go to a new nation. That's devotion to the Lord. It's being set apart for the Lord. To to be holy is to be set apart, to say, I'm yours. I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to your purposes, Lord. I'm giving myself to you. And we're called to be holy. And we're called to dedicate ourselves to holiness. Be holy, says the Lord, for I'm holy. We're dedicating ourselves to him. And it's a day to stop mucking around with sin. It's a day to stop watching stuff that you're watching and going to sites that you're going to and to handling finances, you've been handling it, and to giving yourself to that relationship at work or at college. It's a day to stop that, guys. It's a day to give yourself to the Lord, to devote yourself to the Lord. Now, this is not legalism. This is love. Because once you've seen the glory and majesty and magnificence of the Lord... You can't help but fall down and say, You're holy, and I line my life up with you. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians where Paul says this the love of Christ compels me. It's love's compelling power, as Dave Fillingham put into song. This is the gospel that changes our lives. This is John Bunyan's famous verse. When he wrote, run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. It empowers me for service. When I see the majesty of God, when I see his heart, when I receive his spirit, when I know who I am in him, actually I get power. I mean, Kelly doesn't look that powerful. If I met her in the street... You know, if I, I, I talk to her, she's sort of girl. I think she might break. You know, she looks quite delicate, really. But I, but I tell you what, when she speaks, demons tremble. Because of the power of God upon her. Not because of her character or personality, but because of the power of God that comes. And the change. She said, I didn't love people, I only just about loved animals. That's what her story was. It was so funny. But now I love people. And I'm giving myself to those who are marginalized and disaffected to lift them in dignity. Whoa. That's love's compelling power. This is the power of love that changes our lives. A new devotion. Number four, nearly finished, a new vision. The Lord says to Joshua, and I think this is so funny. You're allowed to laugh at the Bible. There's some funny stuff in here. This is, listen, verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Jericho was tightly shut up. It was a walled city. It was walled to heaven. It was impregnable. It was fortified. It was powerful. And the Lord said, see, look. What do you mean? He says, look. And he says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. It doesn't look like it's in my hands at all. It does not look like I'm going to get victory. It does not look like I'm going to get success. It looks like I'm going to get defeated. And we've got to look at things with new vision. We've got to look at things with new eyes. Because when God says we can do it, we can do it. Because God is the God who calls things that are not as though they are. This is the God who spoke. I love what R.C. Sproul says in his commentary. He says this, this is the God who spoke into creation, who brought the world out of nothing without a rabbit and without a hat. (laughs) (laughs) He just brought it into being. This is the God who speaks and things are. Therefore, what is the reality? What is the truth? It's not what I see with my natural eyes. It's what I'm seeing with my supernatural eyes. We Walk by faith, not by human sight. What are you looking at? How are you seeing things? When they first tried to go into the land at Kadesh Barnea some 40 years ago, and Joshua and Caleb were part of that group that went in, the spies who went in, and Joshua's Caleb report was this We're able to go up and take the country. We can do it, guys. But the other guys didn't. They said, Oh, there's ever such big people there. They're really tall. There's Andrew Dreiser. He's really big. He's terrifying. <laughs> you know, th- there's some there's sons some, there's some of Anak there. There's some giants amongst them. And we looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Notice that. We didn't look like grasshoppers to them. We looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. People don't disqualify yourself from the purposes of God. Don't start to see yourself from the outside like a little Kelly. See yourself as Kelly sees herself, as a child of God. Like David, actually. I love David. I think I brought this to you a year or two ago. When David was before Goliath, the whole of the Israeli army, who should have been invincible, the whole of the Israeli army are quaking because this big guy is there. Everyone else saw a big guy. David just saw a guy who wasn't under God's covenant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's a big guy. That's who he is. But he's not part of God's covenant. God's with us. He saw saw God more powerful. He wasn't looking at Goliath. He was looking at the Lord. And he said, I'm going to take his head off, I think. Because he's opposing the armies of the living God. What are your Goliaths? What are your Jerichos? What's opposing you? Stop seeing yourself as small. Have new vision. Point number five there's a new unity that God's producing to us. They actually all had to act together, they all had to be in unity together. If you read the passage carefully, if you read it into the next chapter, they had to be quiet as they walked. They had to walk in silence, march in silence, round for seven or six days. First, and there's some real wisdom in not chatting, in not gossiping. Can you imagine first day? It'd be like this. This is great, isn't it? Isn't this good? Aren't we all together? Isn't this brilliant? Isn't Joshua a great guy? I think he's brilliant. You know, I, I'm right with you. You imagine day three. I feel a bit silly, don't you? <laughs> We're not actually doing anything. I'm not sure Joshua's quite got this right. You imagine day six. What an idiot Joshua is. I mean, what the heck are we doing? We're not doing anything. We're just going to prayer meetings. We're just walking round and round. Listen, we've got to stop some gossip. We've got to stop some silly talking. We've got to stop some disunity. God wants us to act in unity together. Unity is one of our best family promises. We can do more together than we can on our own. Ephesians 4, Ministers, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, one of their prime roles is to bring the body of Christ to unity together. That we become united as an army. And lastly, very lastly, this requires an exercise of faith. They had to believe God. They had to all act together. They had at the right time to all shout and blow the trumpets, and then the walls would come down. Have you ever thought how silly that is? I, I, I would have said, God, you pull the walls down. I'll shout as much as you like. And people said, oh, no, it's the reverberation of the sound of the trumpets that blows walls down. Well, come on, go up to a castle. Blow your trumpet shout. They don't fall down. It's a silly thing to do, but it was an act of faith. God often calls us to acts of faith. It was a stupid thing for the Drysers to sell up a very successful business in Owen Sound. It was even sillier to think to come to Fredericton because actually they were not called to Fredericton, they were called to Prince Edward Island. From the outside, it's a very silly thing to do, but actually God's blessed it with faith. It's a very silly thing to do to call in Zimbabwe and pastor to come and plant a church in Toronto. It's a very silly thing. Yeah. Don't you know we've got Canadian leaders? Naaman. Don't you, I, we've got better rivers than the Jordan to wash in. The little servant girl said, if he called you to wash in one of the glorious rivers, would you have done it? Of course I would have done. Well, why don't you wash in this dirty river then? All right. Listen, often God requires us to act in faith before we see the answer. Guys carrying the ark? It said step into the water. I'd have said... Joshua no no excuse me Moses spoke first with the staff and then the waters opened then we stepped in don't you remember that's what our parents told us you don't step in first no no step in first are you sure we could lose the ark we know what happens when that gets into the nazis hands you know we could, lo- we, could <laughs> we could we could we could, re- we could lose the ark here you know we really could no 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 that's what that's what you need that that's what <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't laugh. That's what, we, that's what we need to do. We need to step out. We need to step in. Jesus, when asked about the wine that had run out of the wedding feast, Jesus, do you notice, didn't turn it into, didn't turn the water into wine first. He, they were told to take water from the ceremonial washing jars, which is very significant, actually. We won't get into that, that changing. Uh, the, the legalism into grace but take it and take it to the master of ceremonies it was in the hands of the disciples that the food was multiplying when they fed 5000 with a lobster sandwich you know it was it was, it was, wild. It was. we have to step out Jesus said to the man with the withered arm stretch forth your arm I mean isn't that the main problem if I could stretch forth my arm I wouldn't be asking for prayer no Jesus says stretch forth your arm and as the guy goes to stretch forth whoa I can do it listen God is calling you as a church to act in faith now that might be acting faith with your finances there's a big challenge here that all of us need to step up into we don't need to pray for a millionaire we need to pray for God to give us faith to step out in our little bit in our few dollars, that each of us step out, but I can't afford to. Well, whoever said it was about you affording to? Bill Hybel says, I'm not rich enough to manage my own family finances on my own without giving. I can't do that on my own. I need to give. I need to sow in order to reap. Oh, I, I don't think I'm a leader. These guys are asking me to step out. No, you start to step out. You start to lead what they're asking you to lead. God will multiply. God will vindicate. God will do it. You start to do that. Let me end by saying this. There are arrows and pillars. There are arrows that God wants to fire out from this church to church plant all over the nation and nations. There are Kellys in this church that God wants to fire out to influence the poor and the needy all over this nation and the nations. There are people who are entrepreneurs in this church that God wants to fire out to influence others in other settings, to help them develop things for the kingdom. But there are pillars here as well to stay in faith. It's not always the obedient thing to go, sometimes it's the obedient thing to stay. And as Reese said on Thursday, Friday night, that is going. <laughs> you go by staying. You're on mission by staying here. You're on mission by being obedient. Dear friends, God is on the move. Let God's people freely volunteer in the day of his power. If you feel God has spoken to you and you feel, I want to say yes to this, I want to get on mission, why don't you stand now? Why don't the musicians just come back? I'm just going to pray a commissioning word over you. And we're going to end with a great glorious song. We need to just be careful. Our children need to be picked up in a moment. We need to honour those who are looking after our children. I'm just going to pray for you. That God would commission you. That in the day of his power. In the day of his visitation. In the day when the commander of the army of the Lord is amongst us. That we would be a people who worship Him, who submit to Him, who devote our lives to Him, who see things differently, have new vision, are people of unity and primarily, because we're a people of the Spirit, are people of faith, are people who can, like Abraham, look at their body as good as dead and yet trust God anyway, believe God and say it will happen according to His Word. It's not about walking by sight. It's not about what I perceive with my senses. It's about what the Lord says and what the Lord is doing. And now, Lord Jesus, we, as your people, align ourselves with truth. We align ourselves with your mission. Lord, I pray here in Fredericton, Lord, that we would see a massive city on a hill. That we'd see a massive light to the nations, Lord. That we would see massive influence in every sector and every society, Lord, from the street level right through to the university level. Lord, through small businesses right through to entrepreneurial businesses. Through mums at the school gate right through to women in business and people of influence. I'm asking you, Lord, in every strata of health, education, judiciary and arts and media, creativity, every sector of this city, Lord, we would have influence, Lord. We're asking that for pillars in this church, Lord, for people to... Go by staying. People to say, I'm called to be a weight-bearing pillar in the local church. I ask you for that in Jesus' name. I pray for faith to arise. I could be a Kelly. I could give a couple of sandwiches out. I could step out into that. I could do that because God's with me. He's asking me to do that. And Lord, I also say for those of us who feel to go on mission, for those of us who feel to go and plant churches, God, I pray for many arrows... To be fired from here. I pray, Lord, for many to be called and sent. Lord, I pray for an Anglo, a Canadian partnership, Lord, whereby we go to the nations, Lord. This ship is sailing. This ship is going to nations. I pray for South America, Lord. I pray for the Spanish speaking world, Lord. I pray, God, that you cause us to have influence and mighty impact in the nations. We take our place alongside great church planting movements, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this is according to your ability, not our ability. And we submit and surrender to the Lord of hosts. Let's worship the Lord Jesus, our great commander, our great king. Let's worship Jesus.
2: the King. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus the Lamb. Jesus is King. Come let us sing a song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus.
0: Yes, Lord, we just want to say yes to you, that we want to follow you, Jesus, that you're the leader. We want to follow you, Lord, individually, corporately, Lord, churches together. God, we just say yes to you, King yes, Jesus, that you are Lord. That we follow you, that we submit to you. We follow you, that you are the king. And we say, Lord Jesus, we just want to say yes to you again. Lord, there's a yes in our hearts, Lord, to follow you for your glory, Lord, for your purposes and plans, God. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you seal in these things, God? Would you stir them in our hearts, God? Would you, Lord, not let us forget, God, the things that you've spoken, Lord, over these days, and Lord, over, even this morning, God, we pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you mark this day, God, Would this be a day marked in eternity, God, that we can point to a watershed mark, God, of things being different, Lord, of a change, Lord, in us, in your church, Lord. We pray for your glory, Lord. God, would you send us out from here? God, we pray, Lord, I just pray, Lord, your blessing. Lord, upon every person here, God, our local church, Lord, from different churches around the world, God, we pray, Lord, your blessing, God, to go, Lord, blessing to go and make disciples of all nations, Lord, God, every tongue, tribe, and nation would be singing worship songs to Jesus, hearts full of praise, God, joining with the redeemed, God, we pray, Lord, let it be so, God, pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, let's just wait here one moment. Just feel the weight, okay? Just feel the weight of the Spirit of God, okay? Just feel the weight of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us, because He has anointed us to preach good news, okay? Just let that weight, here, let's just wait and feel the weight. (laughs) Let's just wait and feel the weight,
3: Do you know today that you are the sheep of my pasture, and this is a day of my branding of my sheep, that the hot iron of my spirit is branding the imprint of the name of Jesus on you, my people, for you are my flock. You are the one that I'm going to lead out into the hills and over the vales and into the valleys. You are the one that, as it were, will come very unassuming. And you will be like sheep with sharp teeth. You will be like sheep that are aggressive. You are going to be sheep that are marked off as mine. And there are many sheep that will uh, be looking in from other pastures and they will be like a sheep without a shepherd and they will be drawn to what I am doing. Oh, Would you be set apart today? I am yours. I am the one that sets you apart. I am the one that brands you with my mark today. I am the one that once again takes you as my own. And I will lead you forth. Don't run ahead of me. I am the one. I have a rod. And I have a staff. They will comfort you. They will lead you. And there are some uh, shepherds who have to use dogs to keep the sheep in line. I am not that kind of shepherd. There is no barking dog at your heels. For it is me who leads you out. I will lead you out. I will lead you with compassion and mercy and grace. And it will be the trademark of my flock. I just feel this morning that there are some Who are here this morning, and you are looking in, and you feel as if, oh, is this is this something that can include me? And and the Lord would say to you that I would love to brand you into this flock. Oh, there are many flocks, but my purposes my purposes are being met. Uh, My purposes are being met, and you're part of this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, I just believe that the Holy Spirit would just want to confirm once again your branding and your rebranding in Him. To follow Him. To follow hard after Him out into the great wide open. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, we need to bring things to a close at this time, but that doesn't mean, okay, everything that's just been shared stops now, okay? We need to, this week, continue to meditate and pray. We're going to be praying tonight, and we need to consider how we respond to these things over the next few days, weeks, months, okay? So this is what we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to ask our hosts to come. They're just going to put the baskets at the back. If you're able to give from our local church, please uh, be able to do that, okay? We want to thank our guests for being here this morning. We bless you as you return to your towns and cities. And if you're able to join us tonight for our prayer meeting, that would be great at 7 at our building. Coffee and tea are available out front. Parents, can go get your kids now. Thank the workers. And uh, we're going to close things at this time. And you're welcome to stay uh, with us for coffee and tea out in the entryway. Thank you very much for coming. Have a great week. God bless you.